0: A quick hello, and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Andy Crestodina. What a welcome. Thank you. Yeah, well, David Bain convinced me that I should just sing the introduction live instead of actually kind of adding it on later. And it's (laughs) turned out to be a big time saver and quite a lot of fun along the way. Um, well, welcome. You're actually stand, standing in. We were going to have Jennifer Hoffman. We actually announced it very briefly, but um, you're stepping to talk about personal brand SERPs, what appears when people search your personal name and what you can do to help. And luckily, now this is where you become central to the CaliCube table, despite your efforts not to be, because I actually spent the weekend pushing myself mercilessly to launch the CaliCube Pro SaaS platform. It launched yesterday, and it's all about your brand search. It's, it's actually a tool that helps people to optimize what appears when their audience searches their brand name, whether they're a podcast, a brand, a person, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I thank you because if it hadn't been for you, I probably would have given up on Sunday afternoon, but oh. I didn't. I kept pushing and pushing and pushing, thinking I have to impress Andy. And Here is CaliCube Tuesdays with a delightful knowledge panel. If you Mm. search CaliCube Tuesdays with Andy Christodina, you get the knowledge panel. I'm getting CaliCube Tuesdays is getting more and more of these little knowledge panels, and I think that's a very promising and be terribly exciting in my little world. And then we move on to this, and this is what we're going to be talking about today. It's personal brand SERPs, what appears when somebody searches your brand name. And in fact, yours is incredibly impressive with the lovely Mm. knowledge panel on the right hand side, video boxes, those results, which are pretty much owned, uh, mine's on the left hand side. And that's, I think, what most people would like to aim for, maybe not realistic for a lot of people, but definitely something you can aspire to. And I had a quick look around the world for a later solace. This is the CaliCube tool, and it actually shows you in different countries what your brand SERP looks like. Uh, using these the iconography so you can see at a glance, that you can see that in America, Ireland, and the UK, those rich elements, and in fact, the links as well, if you look closely, vary quite a lot for Elena Solis. And she's worked pretty hard on her personal brand setup as well. So I think it's important to realize that they can be very varied between different people, but also Mm. for the same person across multiple locations, and Mm -hmm. you've got to be careful about that. Now, the reason we're talking today is because I read your article all about um, ORM for for people. Mm. So how to manage your personal reputation. I thought it was brilliant because it does what I fail to do every time, is make it simple. Can you give me an overview of what the article said?
1: Sure. Well, I start by making the briefcase that these are critically important marketing efforts because the second you leave a voicemail for someone, the second you hand someone a card, uh, the second that that uh, someone that you appear in a social stream, I mean just all the time, right Anyone in sales, anyone in marketing, anyone who is making any attempt to be a thought leader will in will be searched for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people search for people all the time. So it's a it, it, it's a branded serp. it's really it's really powerful and important. It's a part of your personal reputation. So there are a lot of little things we can do to improve uh, the search results pages for our names. Um, Sometimes it's a reputation issue and you want to push things down. You can do so by claiming more social media profiles. Sometimes it's a um, integration issue and you can claim a knowledge panel and add social profiles to that. Sometimes it's about just driving traffic to your own web property and making sure that your own bio page on your own website is beautifully enhanced with all the little things that you can add, every bit of information, all the tags and schema. And there are lots of them. It's just a giant missed opportunity. I think people forget about it. People don't really Google themselves that much. So... That's the gist of it.
0: Well, I think one of the reasons we don't Google ourselves so much is because we think it's self-centered and we kind of think, oh, I'm not going to do that because I'll feel self-centered. But in fact, it is an important exercise. You said yeah. when you give somebody your business card, I mean, I remember back in the day in the 90s before the internet was a thing, a big thing. You give the business card, you designed it, you spent lots of money designing your business card and the impression that you gave with that business card and your presentation, that was about it. And then I realized in the noughties and... The last Mm -hmm. few years is that you give the business card, people look at it, and then they look from Google, and that's your
1: business card. That is your business card. That's like a homepage. A a time, I think, when um, I'm sure it's happening much more often these days because what's the context of modern business? Video calls. What's a video call? It's a grid of faces with names underneath it. And every person on that call has plenty of opportunity to open another window or another tab and jump in and start searching for the people that they're talking to. You are getting searched for while you're in the meeting, period. Full stop. That's happening to all of us every day.
0: Right. Okay. I'll tell you a quick story because 100%, I mean, the reason I started working on this and I've been working on it for seven years is because I used to be in a cartoon. I was a blue dog in a cartoon. Mm. And I would pitch my services as a digital marketer and say, I'm going to work on your digital marketing strategy. We're going to make lots of money for your business. Bloody, bloody, blah. It was great. Again, my business card walked out the door and didn't sign very many contracts. And the reason was my brand SERP said, Jason Barnard is a blue dog in a cartoon. And you wouldn't trust a blue dog in a cartoon with your digital marketing strategy. And that was the I set out to say, right, that is part of my story. And you will still find it on my brand SERP, But it's only part of the story. And I want to present the, the current part of the story, which is, Digital marketing person, whatever that might be. I was going to say expert, but that sounds rubbish.
1: No it, it, that's marketing, that's branding. that's just Ooh. 101. It's, it's not strange to, to need to we it, it's not egocentric. Uh, it's an important thing if you're in sales for your numbers, for your you, you know your, your business, your, the success in your role. everybody needs to go Google themselves and look and see where the gaps are the opportunities and then just spend 10 minutes a month like polishing those things.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. How, how long
1: did you say? 10 minutes a month. It's not a I mean, I think it should be done oh, consistently. Yeah. It's not that much time. I mean, so go look at. So let's say you search for your name and if you have a crap bio page on your own website, probably LinkedIn outranks you. Great. Click on that. Mm-hmm. Right. We're pretending to be our audience. Click on LinkedIn. Look at that. How's that looking? <laughs> How's your LinkedIn? Bro- you know, it's oh, you know. And, it, and if you bring this up to people very frequently, you'll hear. Oh, I know. I feel bad. I haven't done it yet. I should just do it why are you waiting like please yes go do that it's gonna make a difference for you
0: yeah i mean i love the idea of 10 minutes a month i mean i personally speaking i would sure. say spend spend a good half a day even a day agreed sorting it out you yep. get a good kickstart and then 10 minutes a month just keep an eye sure. on it keep it keep it moving forward now i think people overestimate the time it's going to take them and under, underestimate the importance. And as you said, they say, Ooh, I haven't had time to get round to it. How foolish yeah. is that? You were saying the other day before opening your email, do something useful for the day. And that could be the useful thing.
1: It is. Uh, I, I joke that a small part of you on the inside dies when you open your email inbox every day. Oh, You've I like lost that. an opportunity to do something no, important. No, I don't like it. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> do something important before you do something urgent. Email drives you into the psychology of urgency. But what you just said, Jason, is summarized beautifully. I mean, that's it has both higher value and lower cost than most thing, than than you might expect. In other words, the ROI, right? The 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 R is high and the I is low. <laughs> you just said, and I loved that that the the you know it's easier than it looks and it's more yeah. important than it seems.
0: And, and what we're going to do is go through how easy it can be because I mean, I, I built the Calicube Pro platform. The first thing that I was told is this is all so obvious and simple. You can't actually sell a platform to do it. And what I've done is built a platform that organizes it because, in the space of half an hour, we can probably give everybody all the secrets they need to know for this task. And then the question is, how long does it take? How easy it is to organize? And that's where we come in. But what mm-hmm. I'd like to do is is what you did brilliantly in your article is start off with the low hanging fruit. What's the first thing? You said, if your LinkedIn profile is top, optimize that. Your bio is second, optimize that. That's the first two things. Right.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's just a marketing axiom. Just pretend to be your audience, at least for 10 minutes a day. Go search for yourself. That's what they see. That's what they're going to see while you're in the Zoom meeting, after you leave the voicemail, yeah. you know, business card, whatever the case. So now you, you, we're going to work on this, and we're going to improve uh, the search results itself. But while they are as they are, Click through is the top is the top ranked page your bio? Uh, if so, click through. Is it LinkedIn? If so, click through. So yeah, when you look at that, I I really think it's worthwhile to search optimize your own bio on your own website. and by search optimize, I mean make the best page on the internet for your topic, which is you. <laughs> that That's SEO, right? If you're not making the best page on the internet, you're not really doing SEO, you're trying to trick a robot that's kind of boring and not, you know not that much fun. If you're yeah. trying to make the best page on the internet, you're doing great SEO. So ask this: Does the does your bio on your own website, your own digital property, uh, does it exceed the value and levels of information available on LinkedIn? Right. If LinkedIn is a better page on you, then you are being out. You're you know you're being out optimized. Someone's out you know there's a more relevant page on the internet for that topic, which is you. So Brilliant. so I would try to make the bio page on your own site. Uh, a more, just a a thorough detailed page to whatever extent you can.
0: Right. Well, one thing that strikes me about LinkedIn, sorry, I'm kind of interrupting, but it is that it's structured. It forces you to say, this is Mm -hmm. who I am. This is what I do. This is who I've worked for. And this is my uh, qualifications and awards. And you have this, which is basically the same thing um, that you shared on your your article, which is Mm -hmm. absolutely ace. Uh, And if I understand right, it was Lily Ray who suggested this. Lily
1: Ray has it wasn't a diagram. She has a chart that had uh, three columns. One of them was for people. One was for businesses. One was for products or something. And just a list of schema available for each, which is nice. So what I wanted to do as I wrote an article just about personal SEO was to make a diagram that showed all the little things you can put in. Now, LinkedIn will basically give you a progress bar and make mm. you feel incomplete about your profile because you haven't added an, a patent on it yet. <laughs> like, it's just so many different fields, so many different options, right? It keeps telling you to like enhance your profile, make it more detailed. Mm. There is no progress bar for your own bio on your own website. So I'm encouraging you to do so by giving you that little chart. Look at all these things you can add, you know, for you, nose language,
0: right? fluent I mean, in
1: French, Jason, you put that on there, right? All those things.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. And and the thing, and I think that's kind of part of the problem is a lot of us are very bad at motivating ourselves <laughs> when when there's no kind of clear guidelines. And as you said, LinkedIn walks you through the steps. Mm-hmm. A lot of these profiles will do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it's your own bio, you tend to kind of look at it where it's, it's the blank page and the blank page is the hardest thing to fill up. Um, but when, when LinkedIn's bullying you and saying you haven't put in your qualifications, right. you haven't done this, but then can you just take your LinkedIn profile and copy paste it into your bio? You could.
1: I don't think that's... Um... I don't think that's exactly making a better page, Brilliant. making the best page. I mean, what can you do that LinkedIn doesn't do? Brilliant. Well, you can go. You can tell more of a personal story. You can change the usability and flow of the page. You can control the visual prominence of each element. You could add video, which LinkedIn doesn't really do. You're obviously hmm. your page is going to have fewer distractions because you don't have that right rail and all that other crap that LinkedIn puts in there. You know, you're not going to. There there aren't notifications at the top in the header that tell you to do some. You know, tell your visitor to go do something else. So yeah, you can just you can build out a page that's very detailed. Um, I have two of these pages. I have one that I have search optimized for my speaker's bio, which is like optimized for the phrase content marketing speaker. Right. which is an incredible opportunity for anyone that you know bio pages are actually surprisingly easy to build links to. Anybody that contributes to anything frequently mm-hmm. gets a, a link from that contribution. And if you take the time to mention to the editor, hey, would you mind you know instead of linking to the home page, could you please link to my bio page instead? They're often happy to do so. Those links to those bio pages are going to help you eventually outrank LinkedIn, win the visitor for yourself. As we say, website traffic is hard to win and easy to lose. Uh, so, yeah, you want to attract the visitor to your site from which they can convert. They can learn more. They can click through. You can put internal links to articles. You can really guide their experience. So, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, make a great bio page and build links to it whenever possible.
0: And the the incredible thing about the bio page is, I mean, it sounds obvious when I say it, but you control it. Whereas LinkedIn, you only semi-control it, and they could change, they could remove it, they could delete your account. You have no safety. And the idea of the bio page, I mean, John Mueller from Google was talking about reconciliation and the idea that Google has trouble uh, reconciling this information, the fragmented information about us around the web... And the idea of what I'm calling an entity home, which is your bio page on your own website that you own, Mm -hmm. is the place where you say to Google and all the other machines that are crawling the web, this is who I am. This is what I do. And this is why I am expert, authoritative and trustworthy Mm -hmm. in my industry. And then you can go and double check that all of these other places rather than expecting the machine to aggregate all that information together on its own and not relying on third-party sites such as LinkedIn or Wikipedia or even worse to actually represent you as a personal brand?
1: That's SEO. Helping Google help people find mm-hmm. answers. It's not its not that we are trying to compete with LinkedIn per se. It's just that we're trying to make a great page on the topic, which in this case is ourselves. So that's exactly the philosophy. Uh, its It's really just improving the internet, (laughs) one entity at a time. In this case, it's you.
0: Right, okay, and and from your diagram, it basically just looks like CV with lots of kind of uh, text on the right-hand side, given name, family name, uh, honorific Mm -hmm. suffix, job title works for. I mean, that's schema markup, and the idea here is we're recreating the same information that we're showing the user in the page in a language that Google can natively digest and understand, which is schema markup. And people get quite scared of that. What would your advice be? Well,
1: I don't think that schema markup is really the beginning of SEO. I think it's, a, it's an idea where you don't want to miss opportunities by tagging content. It may trigger ideas for what content to add. For example, yeah, nose language or you know additional name, these kinds of things. You can put it in there and then add the schema tag. But really, think about this visitor. Think about their impression of you. Think about what forms that. I was on a bio page this morning, which was a long-form story about some adversity this individual had overcome. Why not do that? We're not going to let SEO drive our content. We're going to make great content and then not miss opportunities to indicate relevance or tag with schema. So whatever that page should be depends on your brand, depends on your company, depends on your role, you know, what, it, what that should be. But, yeah, I think it, it can um, uh, when it comes down to that schema, at least glance through that and see if there's any opportunity to enhance the page.
0: I love that as an idea. It's inspiration for what you could be putting yeah. in there, as opposed to the, the the golden goal, as it were. Yeah. Um, and the other the right thing that, that that strikes me is that Google wants to rank your page number one, in the sense that it's it right. wants you to represent yourself in an honest manner, in, in in the manner you want, as long as it's honest and as long as it's yeah. better value for Google's user exactly. than LinkedIn.
1: Yeah. It, it it's not that um, we're we're not trying to trick a robot. We're no. not trying to. We're not spammers. We are authorities on ourselves. Is there a greater authority on yourself than you? You know, uh, I, sometimes I hear at conferences and I meet with people and I wonder this question, like you look at a page and you ask, like, does this have a, do they have a right to rank? It's an interesting idea. Like right to rank. Does that company, does that page, does that, mm-hmm. does that, uh, that brand have a right to rank for this? It might be irrelevant to this. There might be better sources for this, but seriously, do you have a right to rank for you? Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. If there ever was one, it was this, right? You are the authority on yourself more than anyone else. Who has, who has more information on this topic than you? No one.
0: Brilliant. So, I mean, we've gone through LinkedIn, which is dull and boring, factual information about me than my own site, which is slightly more interesting because I can be a little bit freer about how I mm-hmm. present myself potentially with a delightful story about the trials and tribulations of my youth or my middle age. What are the other low-hanging fruits before we get to the richer elements that we can talk about in a moment? I mean, other social profiles? Yeah. I sometimes get contacted by people
1: or friends or clients or friends of friends who say, you know, this individual has a reputation risk when you search for their name. There's, um, you know, they were they were drunk driving and it was in the news and they're a right. doctor and it's hurting their reputation. And it was years ago. And they're, you know, for whatever case, like they want to just push that down. They want to manage their search results page for themselves. They want to manage their reputation. So in those examples, there is a way to do it. Uh, social media profiles tend to rank quite well for people's names, obviously. Uh, in that example you showed at the beginning, yours had the Twitter cards, like it actually hmm. pulled in a social, social stream. Um, mine did not. By the way, I wasn't super impressed with my own bio. Yeah. Look, I've got some work to do here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, no, the, the Twitter cards are really good fun because as well, they're, they're real time. Um, right. I, I've yeah. been timing it. It's 16, 17 seconds wow. between the moment I tweet and the moment. I, it's what I call the Twitter trick, a Twitter trick, and I do it at conferences is that I tweet a photo of the audience and then get them to look at the brand SERP. And it, it's pretty impressive. It's real time control over that brand SERP. I mean, we wonder why some people get
1: much more engagement on Twitter. There you go. It's maybe because of Google. Brilliant. Right. Yeah. 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 It's like, how do you get traction on social media? Well, have you managed your branded SERP yet? Your, your personal branded SERP? No? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that's an opportunity. But anyway, uh, if you want to push down negative press, or if you've got a reputation problem in your personal search results page, uh, if you just go and claim all the different social media profiles you can find from Vimeo on down, uh, mm-hmm. and these rank for your name, which they likely will, it's common because there are super high authority websites. And that page is one of the few pages on the internet with your exact name. It may push down those those uh, the negative press. Uh, now, when I say that, people freak out and they say, "Oh, but I don't want to be active on Facebook. I don't like Facebook. I don't want to be active there." I didn't say you need to be active there. I just said claim the profile. And if you want to claim a profile without being active on that profile, I'm a, I'm 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 busy on LinkedIn. I don't really like Twitter. Okay, post one tweet that says, "Find me on LinkedIn. Connect with me there. I'm happy to interact on Twitter, on on LinkedIn." So that like call forwarding idea of just making one social media post telling that person where you are active uh, is a way to create an account, but then ignore that channel yet do so
0: responsibly. Brilliant. I mean, and one thing about Twitter is, I mean, the reason it's 17 seconds is it's got a fire hose directly into Google, <laughs> um, which means that Twitter presumably, I mean, Google gets all of Twitter, it only gets 30% of Facebook, whatever it might be, 50% of LinkedIn. Uh, with, I mean, I find Twitter to be a very useful kind of target simply because I know it feeds into Google. And it's easy to demonstrate that people are engaging with my content on Twitter and trigger these Twitter boxes, which are impressive and, and, and can be fun as well. Um, because there's a lot of personality in in a Twitter box that you don't find on a LinkedIn blue link. You know, what we're doing now, I think, is really important uh, and answers
1: a big question for a lot of marketers, which is how does social media affect SEO? Really common question. Yeah, people ask this all the time. They want to know, should I be active? Is it worth is it worth my time to try to build a platform in social media? Uh, Does that have any any implications for search? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. In the branded SERP, obviously, it does. So, uh, you know, do links from social media of pass equity and drive authority? No, but that's not the only reason. Can you use social media to connect with editors and, and uh, journalists and, and, you know, pitch stories? Yes, yes, you can. So uh, this is one of, and, and you and I could collaborate on a great piece of content someday, Jason. It would be fun to, to really like outline all the ways in which social media affect SEO. The branded SERP, of course, is one.
0: Yeah, and, and I love the idea as well. I mean, kind of I started working on my brand surf and started doing more social media because of that, because I'm not a big social media fan deep down yeah. in my heart. And I started doing it because I think, okay, I can rank exactly what you just explained. And actually, it's turned out to be A, enjoyable, B, mm-hmm. social, and mm-hmm. C, give me lots of opportunities I wouldn't otherwise have had. Now, do I rank better on other terms than Jason Barnard? The answer is no, I don't but my personal brand has benefited greatly on a wider sure. uh, sphere than just Google. And I think that's phenomenally interesting and it's brought me this advantage on the brand set. Yeah, there's
1: a, a lot of people think social media is just about dumping links on the internet. I should make a yeah. social account and just post stuff and that's not really very social. So uh, what we're talking about now is just kind of a, a niche corner, a side benefit of social media, but a powerful one, hmm. very powerful.
0: Well, I mean, you you say niche, I mean, what I like to say about brand search for companies and for people, it's a niche that isn't a niche because everybody needs it. Mm -hmm. And as you said, the people who are searching your brand name or your personal name are actually the people who are most important to you. Yeah. So, you know, it's bottom of funnel, uh, great return, little investment. Why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, the intent is high. So imagine I'm interacting with
1: you, you and I are in a meeting. I go search for you after that or, or during the meeting, during the meeting now because of, you know, we're yep. all virtual. Yeah. And 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 what do I see? There's going to be several outcomes for me in my experience having looked up you. One is going to be there's not much here. Yeah, I, I I found a I pulled a blank card out of the deck. This is this was useless to me. Is that why people
0: know. keep leaving my video meeting?
1: <laughs> nice meeting you. You have no digital <laughs> footprint. I, I do not trust you to continue enough to continue this meeting. Brilliant. <laughs> that could be it. Uh, I, I was just going to basically describe in a in a general way that like it, you know what they see might be negative. Actually, it mm-hmm. it, it could be not, It could be a zero. Or it could be super, po- very positive. You can make that branded SERP sparkle where the person you're talking to begins to hope that you'll keep talking to them. Begins to hope that you'll interact with them. Mm-hmm. What happens when you when the person you're interacting with suddenly looks like a like a legit expert? You want to engage with them more. You trust them more. You listen more to everything that they say. Partway through the meeting, they're going to start believing you more because they had on a different window. <laughs> it's, is it cynical to say that people are searching for stuff during meetings? <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, maybe they used to do it under the desk on their telephone and now, yeah. now they can just do it without anybody really seeing. But I hadn't really thought that idea through, but I think you're right. And I'm thinking back to a couple of meetings I had last week, and I think people were looking me up on Google sure. as we talked. And now I think about it, the conversation got better once they'd looked me up on Google. Google or, or, or LinkedIn. I think it's
1: um, LinkedIn is oh, such a point. powerful source. Yeah. I mean, th- this is about search results pages, but uh, it's you can see someone's name under their face during the meeting, but you can't see their title. You can't see their years of experience. Mm. And, um, because LinkedIn is so relevant, a lot of people just jump to LinkedIn and do a search there and try to see like, you know, what has this person done? What is their background? Um, are they in a senior role? Um, right. but, but the branded search results page for your name can include so, so much useful information to them, even just the headlines, even just, I mean, the title tags, um, and the knowledge panel, uh, I'd like to ask you, Jason. Do you know of any tricks to trigger the knowledge panel for Brent for a, a,
0: a personal name? Oh yeah, there are absolutely loads. Um, and I mean, I've been playing around with this for years and years, and I get the feeling you're now interviewing me. But um, I mean, your, your knowledge panel comes from Google Books. Hmm. Uh, mine comes from Google knowledge graph proper in inverted commas but there are lots of um ways to do it darian kovacs who's a a canadian digital marketer his was uh, triggered excuse me by his podcast which Hmm. in turn was triggered by the fact he was on amazon prime at one point Hmm. as a tv show as it were so what you need to do oh google scholar triggers them as well right yeah if you're a musician Um, that goes into the main knowledge graph very quickly, but things like music brain, if you've been a musician or if you are a musician, which is my case, uh, TV shows and so on and so forth. And basically what it is, is identifying to Google a relationship you have with an entity it already understands. So in your case, the books on Mm. Google Books, which is internal to Google, therefore very easy for Google to be sure it's understood and correctly understood. So as a person, you need to take a big step back and say, with which other entities, people, companies, books, podcasts, music, albums, events. Events are very powerful now as well as, as we've been showing with CaliCube Tuesdays. This whole CaliCube Tuesdays thing is not it massive experiment with WordLift mm. on can we leverage the podcast and CaliCube Tuesdays into the knowledge graph mm. from afar. Sorry, I'll, I'll finish really quickly because I did say earlier on yeah. that I shouldn't go on. Um, but it's looking for those relationships because that's what Google is looking for. So if I have a relationship with Andy Custodina, which I now have, unfortunately, for you, I can push that to Google and it will say, I know Andy. Jason is relevant to Andy because they were on a podcast in a CaliCube Tuesdays. That makes sense. And I can kind of barnacle yeah. on you if that sure. sounds rather rude. Excuse yeah. me. I mean, it's another way to think of it. uh,
1: I wasn't the first to say this is to give yourself and the people at your company, the biggest possible digital footprint, Mm. uh, which might be claiming if not being active on different social media profiles, connecting yourself as an entity to, as you mentioned, podcast or books or music. Lily Ray is considered a a DJ. She's a musical artist in in, in her knowledge panel. Um, Just getting links to uh, and from, you know, different entities, uh, on different sites. So, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and then let's say that that appears there. Claim the knowledge panel, Jason. Any, does that, um, Is that hopeful to Google or does that make any difference? I've claimed mine and I didn't see any real opportunities to enhance it much.
0: Well, there aren't very many opportunities. Uh, there are some things you can ask to have changed. You can suggest social media profiles. You can suggest um, a different piece of information. I've got a, a friend who created his own knowledge panel. He's not known at all. And he basically just decided one day, I'm going to create my knowledge panel. Hmm. And he said about it step by step. And it was it's absolutely brilliant what he's done. And one day he said, oh, I want to get my f- the size of my feet into the knowledge panel. Wow, really? Did that? Yeah, work? and he, he asked somebody at Google and they put it in. <laughs> so <laughs> you, can, you can have this stuff put in by a human being, some of it. But what then happened is the machine came around and saying, well, actually, he's got size nine feet. That's completely mm. boring and interesting, and it just removed it. So mm. you've got to remember that the machine has the last say. Mm, so you can it. suggest a human being can edit potentially some aspects. It can't edit, they can't edit, sorry, your subtitle, mm. i.e. what's underneath it. It says for me, Jason Barnard, British musician. It says for you, I think, author. You can't mm-hmm. have that edited by a, a human being, but I you see. can have other aspects edited. But ultimately, the machine will decide... Right. Ultimately, yeah. if the machine thinks we've made a mistake, it will just correct it. So, uh, And this is a really, really helpful piece of information. If there's something mistaken or, or untrue in the knowledge panel, you can't just ask them to change it. You need to actually go and find why the machine is making that mistake and correct that piece of information. Then you need to be Sherlock Holmes that, to do it.
1: That makes sense. Find the input. Uh, I've, I've got a funny story about uh, a branded search results page. Uh, there's a marketer named Joel Kletke. He's Canadian. Oh. He do you know Joel?
0: No, no, no. I, I was I was listening to the name Kletke.
1: Kletke with a K. Uh, yeah, he's a conversion copywriter who later later started a company, uh is currently running a company called Case Study Buddy. Brilliant oh, wow. writer, hilarious. Yeah, he's a great presenter. So Joel had this um this effort years ago to try to get himself to rank in search results for the best looking man in the world. Right. And to do so, he uploaded he he started. It probably wouldn't work this way anymore, but made a website called thebestlookingmanintheworld.com. Wrote this giant fake interview with himself. What's it like to be the best looking man in the world? Giant high res photo of the of himself at the top with the alt text and and file name best looking man in the world. And for years, if you search for best looking man in the world, the search results page had a had image searches image results at the top, and his was the first. Joel made himself the best looking man in the world according to Google uh, through his a clever wife. bit of
0: SEO. Or boyfriend, <laughs> depending on. So yeah, <laughs> no, brilliant. Yep. That, that, that's a lovely story. And, and it, is, it is true that you can create your own reality. I mean, I think uh, that that, w- that may, may not work these days, but you can actually create the version of yourself you want. Mm. As long as it's truthful, Google mm. will reflect it if you work hard enough. Well, I think it's... Uh,
1: this is... I really enjoy this conversation. I've met very few people who care enough... To actually focus on this for half an hour,
0: Uh,
1: I think it's it's such it it's such low hanging fruit. I mean, so there's um you know they famously say there's three kinds of key phrases: no, do, and go as in informational, transactional, and navigational. This is a navigational query. This is a branded search. This is something that you can't that you have. You know the greatest opportunity to win for because you deserve to win. You're supposed to win. You are you. You're the one who controls your own personal brand. So it's it's right. uh I think it's just such an underrated topic. And um uh, I'm really glad that we're that you are interested
0: in talking about yeah, this. I I'm I absolutely love it. I could talk about it all day long. I mean I, I wanted to finish because we've talked about kind of philosophy and what we're trying to say and how we can say it and our own website and LinkedIn in particular but other social media channels and then looking at this you've also got your video boxes now how would you suggest somebody goes around about getting video boxes that actually contain videos I mean they they make you look like you know what you're talking about and I mean I don't have them anymore they've been replaced by podcast boxes but how how do you get those video boxes
1: well, it was uh, an opportunity for us to create video because I give a lot of presentations. So yeah. anybody that gives presentations is basically making videos these days. Uh, I've also tried to never miss the opportunity to be part of a conversation like this one, where yeah. a video and your per- and your proper noun, you know, your own name appear together. Uh, so it's really, I think, just been for us a, a about volume. Uh, so we we are active in YouTube. Uh, there are videos that have my name as the title. There are videos that have my name in the description. Uh, and, and probably there's, some uh, some weighted search ranking factors, um, that are user interaction signals. So people that search for that name, are they in, engaging with videos? If so, yeah. what videos are they engaging with? If so, what channels are those videos from? Uh, so are those videos, you know, in just an educational thing about me telling you how to get your, you know, a, polish your, your personal branded SERP. Or the video, like an interview, that are going into the deeper topic of that person itself. So, uh, I have made hundreds of videos over the years in terms of both, you know, webinars mm-hmm. and conference presentations, and our own YouTube channel. I don't know which of those has been has worked best in search results, but I would say just get really active. Just get really active the same way we are right now in a podcast. You know, don't mm-hmm. expect Google to get triggered by a random act of content dedicate yourself to a channel if you really want that to appear uh, because it takes a lot of time I think for Google to believe that there's like enough mm-hmm. ballast here enough mass in that you know uh, to pull from that pool and show in the search results and then if people do engage with it it's likely to keep appearing there
0: yeah, absolutely brilliant. I mean, it, it is that case that Google's trying to show what it thinks is going to be relevant and helpful mm-hmm. to its user who's searching your name. And if it's going to be video because Andy's done a lot, loads of video, it's that. Mm-hmm. And if it's podcast because I've done mm-hmm. loads of podcasts, that's absolutely fine as well. And the, the idea of user interaction affecting the SERPs, Nathan Chalmers from Bing, who's the whole page algorithm guy there. Mm-hmm. And if anyone's interested, read the article on Search Engine Journal about that because he's phenomenally interesting. Basically says... Uh, he designs the product for Bing, and we can assume it's more or less the same at Google, is that he gets all these candidate sets, which are the blue links, the videos, the images, the podcast boxes. He looks at them, well, not him, obviously, personally, but um, and, and the algorithm will then decide, is this valuable to the user? And he clearly explicitly says, click-through data, user engagement is a big signal in that. For that particular algorithm, algorithm which is called Darwin, by the way, Oh, I didn't know. It, uh, their algorithm for for the anti darwinist Darwinistic behavior of sorting in the woods from the chaff in terms of their own product is actually called Darwin, Interesting. which is delightfully ironic. Um mm. will actually then wait it and decide what a good SERP for any particular brand or personal brand is going to look like.
1: Yeah, I think that's um people who are mystified by a search result and say, you know, this page is not as good as that page or this page is higher authority or links or more relevance or deeper content are failing to consider yeah. the fact that these pages have appeared in search results maybe for some time. And some of these are just getting more, better engagement. Yeah. It, it, it's oh, yeah. the third, yeah. Relevance, authority, and user interaction. And, and I don't mean bounce rate because I have tons of high-ranking pages with 95% bounce rates. I don't think that that's a factor, but look at time on page. Look in Mm -hmm. your own analytics. Uh, See if you can find a correlation between high time on page, as in dwell time, as in Mm -hmm. the long click, Um, and search rankings. Uh, For us, we see uh, a very clear correlation in the analytics accounts we have access to, which is around 500. We have lots of of clients and lots of accounts.
0: Brilliant. No, absolutely delightful. And just Bear in mind with your own personal brand or your brand, what appears when somebody searches your brand name or personal brand name is what Google or Bing, in this particular instance, think is the most relevant, valuable, and helpful to the subset of its users who are your audience. Mm -hmm. Um, That was delightful, Andy. Uh, Absolutely brilliant. I'm just going to quickly announce next week. Uh, at the risk of being terribly rude. We're, we're having Dawn Anderson, who's going to be talking about detecting co-occurrence confusion, which sounds terribly highbrow. And Dawn is incredibly intelligent, absolutely delightful. And I'm really looking forward <laughs> to talking with her because she is such a smart person. So thank you, Andy. That was absolutely brilliant. You get the goodbye song as well. A quick goodbye to and the show. Thank you, Andy. Bravo, Jason. Thank you. (laughs) That was absolutely awesome, Andy. Brilliant. I'm so glad you came on and having that conversation was awesome.